1: pride, passion, and pageantry of college football lives here. This is the Paul Finebaum Show, Hour Two podcast. This
2: might be college football heaven.
1: Second hour begins now, and our next
3: guest uh, is well into his second season. At South Carolina, already some very impressive wins this year, early in the year, Virginia Tech and, and so many other games uh, that uh, Notre Dame and this year, just in the last couple of weeks, win at Arkansas, win at Missouri, and the one last night that everybody in college basketball is talking about. We just showed it, the stunner against the University of Kentucky. The crowd went wild. And uh, Coach, uh, thank you very much for uh, joining us I I know you have more work to do there are games to be played but today had to be wild good afternoon
4: yeah thanks Paul thanks for having me on the show I appreciate it but uh, yeah it was a, it was a wild day this is our off day actually just because we play uh, Tuesday Saturday this week but uh, it doesn't seem like much of an off day but as you can imagine uh, the city of Columbia and the entire campus was a buzz today and so uh, it's great for our guys just to be able to walk around campus and, and enjoy that experience. So uh, it was electric in there last night, and we're, we're really excited.
3: Certainly uh, much was expected this year. Last year, just kind of getting your your, your bearings uh, after coming over from Chattanooga. But uh, did, you, did you sense it with a couple of road wins in the SEC that, that maybe the mm. Kentucky could be taken down? And they've been a really good team this year.
4: Yeah, they have been. They're, I mean, they're, they're they're really talented offensively. I mean, extremely talented. Um, you know, it was great offense that they have uh, versus we've had some really good defense this year. And honestly, I mentioned this before uh, in in an interview that our goal was just to try to present the best defense that they had ever gone against this year uh, to that team, which has some young guys on it, um, and and just see what that how that played out and see what that did to some of their guys in the environment that that we had created in this last game and and really all season and so you know I thought if we did that and presented that kind of defense to them and just were uh, relatively efficient on the offensive end you got to make some shots they're going to score so you got to make some shots if we could make some shots I thought we had a chance.
3: Coach, uh, we all know who Kentucky is, and, and John Calipari is you know, a million times over a Hall of Fame coach with championships and, and th- final fours, but when, when you're getting ready for a game like that, you, you've already been on the road to a couple of very tough places. How do you keep your, your, your players, forget the crowd, because they're always going to get up for Kentucky, but just you know, get your players grounded and go, listen, this is our game plan. Don't worry about what color the other guy's uniform is.
4: Yeah, it's difficult because, uh, you know, these guys, when they were young, they've always followed Kentucky as as one of the blue bloods. And no matter what corner of the earth that they are from, they've been familiar with with Kentucky. So, um, you know, now they're in there competing with them. And we just try to stay focused on what we're doing on the mission that we are on now. And we, we talk a lot about just be who we are. We are who we are and we do what we do. And so, honestly, all of our focus went into that. You know, we had a couple of days to prepare for Kentucky, but uh, we we did it in a one-day prep. We spent one day completely uh, dedicated to us and the things that we needed to uh, improve upon to be the best version of our team. And then we had one day of full prep for Kentucky. So really that was kind of the 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 mindset that we were in was just to focus on us and be who we were and go out there and do what we do. And, uh, you know, we got a team that really believes in what we do and who we are, and they like who we are. They enjoy playing together. So uh, if we can continue to do the things we do defensively, they are a very, very confident group.
3: So, Coach, I'm watching the game, and, and it's, a, it's a good game, and all of a sudden, explosion. Uh, I mean, offensively, uh, your <clears throat> team just, just really – and you, you get this big lead, and, and, and you always worry when you're playing a team like Kentucky or one of the top teams in the country. You've got this big lead – what do you do then? Take us through the the second half of of the second half a little bit in, in trying to maintain, and you did obviously. But I'm sure there are a lot of things going on in the back of your mind.
4: Yeah, no, it's difficult. You know, some, one of the most difficult things to do in college basketball is to play when you have a lead. Um, you know, you want to continue to be aggressive. That's what got us a lead. Uh, but at the same time, you want to be smart. You don't want to do anything reckless and 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 have you know six point play turnarounds, three or four that you didn't get, and then two or three that they did get. So uh, that's always a delicate situation, but our guys handled it well. I think we continue to stay stay aggressive. Uh, uh, I think what what didn't change was what we were doing defensively. But you get a team like Kentucky that's has that much uh, offensive firepower, you know a run's coming. You expect a run is coming. So honestly – at every single timeout, every break in the action, every review of any play that was over there, all we continued to do was uh, uh, to remind the guys to stay the course of what we were doing defensively and having success with the defensive side. And then on the offensive end, just be just play free and, and, and be smart. Uh, but it's a, it's, a, it's a real challenge when you get in a game like that against a team that's that talented and has that much firepower uh, to, to continue to maintain a lead like that.
3: Coach, I've never, I've never heard anybody uh, you know, win a game at home and, and, and not say the crowd played a role. How big of a role? It, it, it's simply uh, op- open for conversation. But what did you sense from that crowd as it got louder and uh, finally it just exploded?
4: Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, when I'm in the game, I'm normally in a cocoon. I don't really notice the crowd too much. But it was so, it was so wild in there. It was impossible not to. But I know the guys feed off of that, and I think in 2024, more than ever, um, uh, guys, guys like to and need to feel good to 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 uh, to perform well. And any little thing that happened, any little, and our and our fans are intelligent basketball fans. And so when there was a stop that really needed to be had or a rebound that was secured, or certainly if there was a dunk or a three or something like that, uh, they they got up. They were very loud. And honestly, our guys feed off of that so much. It's, it's hard to quantify what the home crowd does but there's no doubt in my mind that that home crowd uh and as electric as it was had such an impact on not only what our guys did but uh uh, you get a young group like like kentucky as talented as they are they got a lot of young guys and that's probably the first time that specific type of environment that they've been in and been down
3: we uh we saw a a tweet uh late last night from harris Pastides, Pastides, who uh his legendary president he said i paid a fine for storming the court after beating Kentucky before, but this time it was free for me so I joined the crowd, best students anywhere. Um, uh, the fine will come. Uh, that is not your problem, I know, and, and I'm sure that it, it uh, the university is, uh, is pretty happy about it. So uh, when something like that, uh, when you do, I, maybe you've already gotten the, the word, but uh, I don't. I know you're you're supposed to care, but do you really? Well,
4: I, I mean, I'll tell you a couple of things. One, uh, Harris Pastides has probably never been so happy to be retired and be, be <laughs> the, and to not have to deal with that. But um, uh, I tried. I tried with a little time on the clock. We actually, I called a timeout. We wanted to stop the clock, and I was going to make an announcement to the crowd just so that. The teams could get off and uh, off the floor and uh, and and be away from that so that there weren't any uh, incidents that could that could happen. But it didn't work out that way. Uh, uh, John's been in this situation before. He's a seasoned veteran. Um, <clears throat> so he had had his guys, I think, off the court. but I wasn't going to tell them not to storm the court. I mean, I'll tell you that. I wasn't going to tell them. They go to school. These students, this is, what, this is part of the whole experience for them. This is part of the reason why some of them came to, to a university like this. And so uh, could you imagine telling them not to go out there and enjoy that experience? They were running around. I saw videos later. They were jumping in a pond that we have on, on campus on a fountain. And it just was uh, h- how fun to be them. Really fun.
3: Coach, I'm, I'm sure uh, it's been mentioned before, but you were, you're part of the worst loss in modern Kentucky history, and now, now another one of those when you were an assistant at Wisconsin in that 2015 Final Four that, that ended a perfect record. That Every time I go to Lexington, Coach, I still hear about that game. Um, I, yeah. I know that wasn't uh, foremost in your mind, but uh, that had to be quite an, quite, an, quite an experience as an assistant coach.
4: Oh, that was. That was was unbelievable. As as you look at that team, and we knew how special that that Kentucky team was. I think anybody that wasn't uh, uh, living in a cave knew how special that team was. But then let's fast forward uh, a couple years, two, three years later, and look at where those guys were in the NBA. And you you had NBA All-Stars on that team. You had NBA Legends on that team. And so uh, to be the team that took that team down, I think that was really special. And the thing that made it even more ridiculous was that that Final Four in 2014-15 was a rematch from the Final Four in 2013-14 in which they beat us at the end of the game. So uh, uh, that group that we had at Wisconsin wanted nothing other than to play that Kentucky team again in the Final Four. And so it built up. uh, You couldn't draw it up that way any better if you scripted it and it built up to be such a special game and a special moment with so many special players out there that it, uh, it was uh, it's one of the highlights of my career for
3: sure. Coach you're you're at a school where where Don Staley has, has been such a trailblazer, uh, such a, a seminal uh, coach in, in 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 all of basketball and when you were hired it was noted that you were the first person uh, of color, but what what has it been like uh, on that campus with her and, and, and in the environment where where so much change has already been made?
4: Yeah, I, I think it's great. I think it's really significant. We, I think we just uh, we just this year uh, uh, celebrated, uh, I think it was the 60th year of uh, desegregation at the university. And so um, that was exciting as just to see how far that we've come uh has been amazing but to have dawn here uh with me and all of our coaches here honestly but but dawn is a trooper dawn's a champion and i don't even mean that uh just in terms of wins and losses on the basketball court i think we all can see that but just as a human being um as a leader as a molder of young people um she's been fantastic and and she was you know when they they came back i got hired and they won the national championship that year and we come back and right outside of Colonial Life Arena where we play they had a a, a little event a celebration and she brings me up there and i and, and, and i mean imagine winning the national championship and you're going to come up and talk about a new coach but i i think she understood the significance of the hire uh, uh, she's a big time person, and just wanted to to wish me well and get the, the the embrace of this entire city. So I tried to interrupt her and tell her, "Hey, not on this day. Tomorrow, if you want to do that, you can go ahead and do that, but not today." This was this was her moment in their day as a as a team. But she's a big time person. Uh, uh, I I call her a friend, and I'm I'm uh, proud to call her a friend and uh, and a neighbor actually. But uh, she's uh she's just a great person. And it's, it's great to be here and, and working in the same athletic department.
3: Coach, I know when, that when a game like that ends, uh, you're probably drained. Uh, but uh, there's so many things happening. Uh, take us through uh, the aftermath of that through this moment in terms of the, the the calls, the texts. Who knows what your life has been like since 9 uh, o'clock last night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A
4: lot of media. I mean, there's been a lot of media. But but. Uh, even on the, aside from that, you talk about calls and texts, messages, so from the time that the game ended to the time I got back to uh, my phone, there were about 100 messages, new messages, and, and, and little did I know that that was the tip of the iceberg, um, so by the time, from the time I went to bed last night to the time I woke up this morning, there was a crazy amount more. And then throughout the day, it's all it's been. It's just been, uh, you know, a lot of people care. A lot of people noticed there were only a couple uh, games on yesterday. So I guess that worked in our benefit as well. But um, yeah, a couple interviews this morning, radio interviews, uh, tried to watch the game again and make some clips. We always watch film uh, the next practice after the game. So I did that. But the bulk of what today has been has been uh, uh, just managing and and, and uh, getting back to a lot of the people that have reached out.
3: Well, uh, if we just we could just let you go thank everybody individually here, but we don't we know you don't want to do that. Uh, you, <laughs> you, you do want to give back to everybody, but Coach, thank you for making time for us uh, on on such a, an important day. And uh, I think everybody in college basketball was pretty fired up, other than that one state up north. Yeah.
4: That's okay. We, we, the masses, the masses might have been happy about it. So, but I appreciate you having me on the show, Paul. Um, it's a good show. You do great stuff, uh, uh, not just for the SEC, but but particularly for the S- SEC. So I'm I'm uh, happy to be here. Um, we got a good group. I'm glad that the world was able to see what we're doing down here, and we're just uh, we're building. We're building. We're not there, that's for sure. And so we'll continue to try to do that as we move forward. But Thank you. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Paul.
3: Thank you very much. Congratulations, Coach. What what an amazing uh, night that was on a Tuesday night in Columbia, South Carolina. We'll uh, get back to your phone calls right after this.
1: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Well, with Hims, now you can get treated for ED without stepping foot outside your door. They're changing men's health care by providing access to affordable sexual health treatments from the comfort of your couch. Hims provides access to doctor-trusted ED treatment options such as chewable hard mints, brand-name treatments like Viagra, or generic alternatives for up to 95% cheaper. The process is simple and entirely online. Just answer a series of questions and a medical provider will determine the right treatment option. If prescribed, your medication ships to you free, no insurance needed. So what are you waiting for? Join the hundreds of thousands of trusted HIMS subscribers and get treated. Start your free online visit today at HIMS.com Paul. That's HIMS.com slash Paul for your personalized ED treatment options. HIMS.com Paul. Hard are chewable compounded products which are not approved by or verified for safety or effectiveness by the FDA. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare care provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See website for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies on product and subscription plan. You're listening to the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast.
3: Welcome back. As we roll on, really had a fun conversation with Coach Paris, let's get back to our calls, and Dwayne is up next.
2: Hey man, what about everybody tell? Everybody's gotta say tell you you're doing a great job and all that. You know, ask that man, ask that man some hard questions, man. But look at him. I wanna tell you something right now. Hey, see tomorrow night, the lady Tigers are gonna roll over Dawn Stanley in the Gamecocks. We are gonna pluck the Gamecocks tomorrow night. Now you tell him. Oh, now you
3: you're uh, you're a woman. You're a women's basketball fan. Now, how do I? Now that you're giving up I on your football gymnastics. program?
2: Hey, I watch. Hey, I watch it all. I watch gymnastics, softball, baseball, basketball, football. I watch it all, baby. Hey, you should have told that man. You should have told that man. how huh, LSU gonna run over their butt tomorrow night. Now, well, he, he he's family. the
3: men's coach. Uh, that would be the women's. I know coach. he's the
2: men's coach, but you should. Hey, you asked about Don Stanley now. You asked the man about Don Stanley uh, Don Stanley just a while ago too. You should have told that man how Tim Mookie gonna beat on Don Stanley. We owe, we owe them a butt whooping anyway. They beat him last year in South Carolina. We got this back down baby. yeah uh, you you are also Carolina. pretty
3: fortunate Dwayne you didn't have to play them uh, in the in the in the NCAA championship game.
2: We wanted them, man. we wanted them then. They lost. They lost they lost they lost, they lost to Iowa. Iowa yeah. Yeah they lost. They 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 want the that loss. We wait, we wait for them then. But check this out, baby boy. We want them tomorrow. See tomorrow night. You talking all that noise down there in the SEC country? Talking about you, how they, how they preach, uh, how they like you and everything. I like you too, buddy. But look at him. You need, you need to tell him. You need to get. You need to tell straight that we're gonna whoop on them tomorrow. The Tiger's gonna whoop on them tomorrow. We're gonna pluck that game cop. You ever, you ever eat game cop before? Huh?
3: I've never had one.
2: Yeah, you need to try it. Eat that bird. Pluck that bird. We're gonna pluck that bird tomorrow. Hey, tell them that. Bye. That's all I gotta tell you, buddy.
3: You said you. What did you say? You're gonna pluck that bird or something else? <laughs> hey, hey, thanks to what? Did, what did he say? He's gonna, that bird. he's gonna pluck. He's gonna pluck that bird. You better not say that after a beer. Uh, David is up next. Uh, hello, David. David, you there? Hello. Hey. Yeah, I'm here. Hey, 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 I, hey I wanted hey. to talk to you.
5: I just wanted, wanted to talk to you about this media around this country. Everything okay, I'm let's talk about rise, that. That the dadgum media.
3: They don't, they don't media. What's well, what's the know, media been I, I doing? they
5: don't do their research. You know, because they talk about the implosion of Alabama football. How right, everything's falling apart. You know, and I, I, I just don't. Hey, by the way, that's it. just the yeah, Alabama, Alabama fans
3: who've been saying that. Not not the media.
5: Well, yeah. You know, the the who are what, the, what, did, what did Greg McElroy yeah, they say today? they called him the bar
3: barstool bubbas?
5: No, uh, Bram has had 20 guys go into the portal, you know, six, six the board, got there and gave a talk to the thing to the uh, to the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many of those actually played snaps? How well, you I can, I can think of a few, like
3: maybe uh 10, 12, 15, they're, they're, maybe 20. No, there's a, there's actually six that actually played a significant time at Alabama. Oh, okay, oh, I forgot. I, I wasn't counting the uh, best quarterback in the country coming in that that's already left.
5: Well, I question that too. Can you know, uh, he's a five star out of Carlsbad High School. Yes, sir. Did they do their research? Uh, I, year, I, he I, think Nick's, uh, I think Nick. I think Nick
3: Saban made a few trips out there to see him.
5: Well. He, you know, he, he's a senior out of bad High School. I guess, I guess Saban doesn't know anything, does he? School. Not
3: anymore. Hey, we'll take a short break uh, here on the Bama Channel. More to come. We'll talk about Clemson's dynasty and what happened to it next.
1: Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business.
2: You're listening
1: to the Paul Feinbaum Show Podcast.
3: This is from The Athletic. Uh, Will Clemson's decline continue? Or can Dabo Sweeney get the Tigers back? Just some unbelievable numbers. I mean, everybody here knows what Clemson did during that period when they literally met Alabama every year for the national championship. Winning two of those games... Uh, since then, it's been a different story. Not terrible, but dramatically inferior to what Clemson has done. Grace Rayner has covered the team for a while uh, and just wrote this piece for the Athletic. Uh, Grace, thank you for being here. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, you've, seen, uh, you've seen this thing pretty up close for a number of years. Uh, your takeaway uh, in trying to figure out which direction is, is the Clemson Tigers are heading. Good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon, Paul. Thanks so much for having me. Um, Yeah, it's been an interesting couple of seasons at Clemson for sure. Uh, I think in some ways Dabo Sweeney might be a victim of his own success, uh, setting the bar as high as he did. Um, But this is a little bit of a different program right now. This is a team that uh, I think is in search of its next generational quarterback. I think Trevor Lawrence and Deshaun Watson and T. Higgins and Travis Etienne uh, righted a lot of wrongs and just Sort of trying to find their footing now in this new era as they try to get back to uh, back to the college football playoffs.
3: And you know, some of it's quarterback, a lot of it's quarterback, obviously. Uh, some of it's uh, coaching personnel. We all we all know Brent Venables was a key part of it. He left. Uh, Dabo elevated some people. Uh, didn't exactly uh, work out. He also lost a couple of other key uh, offensive people. Uh, how much of is there any way to point fingers in terms of? Was it uh, the exodus of a couple of assistants becoming, three assistants, in fact, becoming head coaches over a period of time uh, on top of uh, the loss of two generational quarterbacks?
0: You know, I think it's a mix of things. For sure, you lose those quarterbacks, and yeah, definitely. When you lose a a coach of the caliber of Brent Venables um, who goes to Oklahoma after 10-plus years at Clemson, you lose Jeff Scott, you lose Tony Elliott. I mean, these were really established Trusted voices in the room. And so I think that's part of it. Uh, Part of it is, you know, you're looking at the wide receiver room this year, and I think that production was down compared to years past. Uh, You look at the way that the transfer portal has changed college football, I think that's part of it. Um, So I think it's a a couple of different things. It's a nuanced situation at Clemson. I don't know that there's any exact finger pointing, but I think they're just trying to figure out all right, what are the tweaks that they need to make? Uh, They feel like they have the talent to get back there, but just how do they tinker and and figure out, all right, how can we be competitive at the, at the level they once were.
3: And, Grace, so many uh, people have leveled criticism at DABO for being slow to the portal, slow to NIL. And I know th- those, those arguments are clearly in the rearview mirror, but where is this program right now in, in relation to some of the most important things happening in college football?
0: Yeah, the portal one has obviously been the big talking point, right? Um, Clemson still has not taken a transfer portal addition that played meaningful snaps that came in and started. They've taken a couple of emergency quarterbacks, emergency depth guys. Um, So that's what I think everyone is waiting for. I will say they're trying. Uh, I think that he's slowly come around a little bit more. He has gone after several offensive linemen. They targeted three or four just this cycle alone. Um, that went to, I believe, Maryland, Arkansas, Georgia Tech, um, just various places. And so I think that's what everyone's looking for: is all right. When do they make a portal acquisition that is going to come in and, and place some meaningful snaps, and not just come in for backup purposes?
3: Let's let's talk about Dabo for a second because I mean his record is pretty easy to figure out, uh, even in this so-called decline. It's 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 respectable. It's not in last year they got on quite a winning streak at the end. But while while you can admire him on one level, uh, wh- why 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 do you think, after having covered that program up close and now with uh, a little bit of distance, uh, he has been so resistant to the the winds of college football?
0: Yeah, I think Gabo has always been a guy who's been very convicted in doing things the way he believes in. And you talk to people who know him well, and um, I think his loyalty to the people in the building and. His loyalty to the way he thinks things should be done can sometimes be his greatest strength and his biggest weakness. And so you talk to people who know him, and I think it's one of those deals where, you know, Dabo is going to come around eventually, and he might not come around as quickly or as aggressively as his competitors or maybe even, even in the way the fans want him to, uh, but he will get there. And I think he still has the track record that still gives him the benefit of the doubt. Clemson is still recruiting at a, at a really high rate with high school prospects. Um, but yeah, he's he's always done things his way. I don't I don't think he he cares a ton about what other people think about him. Um, and I think he'll adapt in his own way as well.
3: On, on that subject, Grace, uh, and it really didn't become an issue, but a lot of Alabama fan, fans wondered, would he would he be uh, up for consideration for the job when Sabin left? We all know Dabo's track record. Uh, he played at Alabama. He's been a big part of that staff many years ago. Did you hear much, if anything, uh, about whether he was ever considered for that job?
0: I don't know that I'm the right person to answer that question. I don't know what went on behind the scenes. I mean, obviously, I think if you look at Dabo and we're having this conversation five years ago, it's probably a slam dunk, right? You know, it's a, it's an obvious uh, matriculation to, to get him in there, and he's probably their their number one pick. Um, but that's something that I, I'm going to be curious about one day, maybe when Dabo hangs it up, to say, all right, What was the deal back in the offseason of 2024? Did they make a run at you? Were you ever interested in it? Um, We know Alabama is obviously a place that means a lot to him. He's been on record talking about how playing there and getting his college degree there changed his life. Uh, But in other ways, his home and his legacy are at Clemson. And in in a lot of ways, I think Dabo Sweeney is Clemson. So uh, two places that mean a lot to him. But I'm curious to maybe see if we can figure out one day uh, what the interest level on both sides might have been.
3: Grace, in, t- in terms of Dabo Sweeney and and the critics, uh, you mentioned he doesn't ever seem to care. But this, you know, this last year, that story, uh, the, the the radio program got so much news, and it it felt like he he ended up winning that battle, even though uh, it was shocking at first. Can you can you address that part of Dabo Sweeney's personality?
0: Sure. Yeah, I think one of the misconceptions about Dabo and what we see publicly. Is, you know, he has this big personality, and a lot of people think that he's folksy and, you know, just uh, what we see on TV. But behind the scenes, you talk to anyone who knows Dabo well, and this is a guy who is fiercely competitive. And that's one of the reasons why I think that he's not going to let this program slip, because his reputation and his name are on the line as well. Um, But I think that's what we saw with that uh, radio interview and that fan, Tyler from Spartanburg, was Dabo kind of firing back a little bit in defense of his players, and defense of his program. Uh, Obviously, that was a really emotional week at Clemson. It fired them all up. They beat Notre Dame a couple days after that. They go on a five-game winning streak to close out the season. Um, But that's kind of the fiery, feisty side of Dabo that anyone who knows him well knows exists, uh, but publicly sometimes I don't know that we, we see that.
3: We saw something we didn't think we would see, uh, Clemson missing the ACC championship game. Florida State moved into that and really was the talk of the ACC and really college football for a few weeks. Where where do you see, just uh, as you were reporting this story, uh, where, where do you see Clemson next year in the pecking order?
0: I like where Clemson heads into 2024, just given the talent that they return. I think that's one of the upsides of them not really using the portal much is that they're not losing anyone from the portal because they didn't have anyone from the portal. And so you look at FSU and a lot of their talent is, is on their way out. Whereas Clemson has club coming back for another year. I definitely think they have to get more production out of their wide receivers. I think that will be so critical. Um, but they feel good about the pieces that they have. They're not losing much on offense outside of will Shipley. This is a top 10 defense from this year with some key pieces back. Uh, Barrett Carter, the five-star linebacker, is back. Um, so I, li- I like where they're, they're at, and I like the way that they are positioned as they sort of head into the, the 12-team playoff.
3: Grace Rayner from The Athletic, a deep dive on Dabo Sweeney's once uh, indestructible program, which has clearly slipped in recent years. We'll take a short break. More of your phone calls, more guests. Ed Golden from Austin coming up in the next hour. We're back after this.
1: must be 21 plus and present in select states gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply see app for details you're listening to the paul feinbaum show
3: podcast we are back and glad to glad to hear everything is good in uh clemson land after talking to grace there let's get back to the calls and mike is up next Uh, hey mike Hey, Paul, how are you? We are well, thank you. Good, thanks for taking my call. just had
6: a question. I know it's kind of speculation, but I was just wondering what you thought would have happened if um,
3: uh, Coach DeBoer had said,
6: no, I'm going to stay in Washington.
3: That is an interesting uh, predicament because uh, according to uh, a number of other reporters uh, who covered that story, uh, he was probably about the fourth choice. And I don't know if they had a fifth choice. Or, according to what Greg Burns said, an A, B, C, or D? Well, that's what I was wondering about
6: because, I mean, I'd heard about, you know, Lenning and um, the guy at Florida State and all that, and I don't know if they ever officially said Yeah, I mean, no I think, I think conventional kind of wisdom, list, Mike, is Lanning,
3: uh, Sarkeesian, Norvell were all considered. Uh, I never heard what I would say was a legitimate other option. Some people said, "What about Lane Kiffin?" But, but I've always felt Lane Kiffin was was a no go from the beginning.
6: Would anybody like Glenn Schumann from Georgia, or
3: even um, Champ, or any? I mean, I think I he's—I mean, I know I mean he's well respected. But I think the odds of going after an assistant coach were were nil. Even though some reporter put in uh, Tommy Reese, which I I think was a practical joke, because there's no way anybody would have taken him seriously as a head coach. Yeah.
6: Yeah, yeah. I just didn't know if there was like a division, some other division one. No, division I, I don't two, think you can do that at Alabama. Job, Mike. Like, I know, like, you know he's oh. never been in that kind of a pressure cooker no, before. No, no. It's. Uh, I mean,
3: I, I, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll have to wait for Greg Burns' memoirs. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't know who else it would have been. It wasn't with all due respect to our previous guest. It wasn't Dabo Sweeney. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I. Thats seemed to be seemed to be a i mean he would he storm. would have created a, a firestorm well and even I guess like, they could I have mean, gone, I mean, gone to do, uh, Athens he, and maybe offered Kirby smart thirty million dollars do you see, you think he would have gone though no. i mean no. Do <laughs> no I really don't but i'm just <laughs> i mean I, I would have said, Kirby, is there a number that would interest you right uh, right anywhere but uh, above above ten and below fifty. So Coach DeBoer was kind of in the driver's seat that I suspect. Yeah, the negotiations. I think he was. Um, yeah. And don't forget, Mike, the most obvious thing, the same agent was representing all the candidates. See, and that, <laughs> that's, I don't know, that's interesting. I'm
6: not, I mean, that's really interesting. But I think Norvell,
3: as, I, as I hear so the story he told, can... Mike, I think Norvell may not have been offered, but he was certainly considered... So, I have a hard time believing Norvell, <laughs> who got an extension, would have said no. So let me, let me back up a second. Uh, I think it would have been Norvell. Do you? Okay, okay. Even I think well, it was, I, mean, I think I, Lanning and Sark were off the board for a couple of reasons, mainly money. Uh, I think DeBoer was maybe, uh, let me uh, I, I think I said fourth, I'd say third. And then uh, Norvell would have been the backup choice. There is no way Norvell would have chosen to stay at that cesspool in Tallahassee over going to Tuscaloosa. <laughs> well, I thought of that, too. I thought well, would, would, he would have welcomed the chance to get out of there, I suspect. No, there's just no way. Um, and, yeah, it, it, just, it was just coincidental that Norvell got a contract extension right as DeBorah was... Jumping on the plane in Florida, in uh, in Washington State. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate you taking my call. I just
6: I've been thinking about it, and I thought was there was there a plan D or E or whatever it was, and um, if so, who that might have been. And, well, hey, uh, thank you for the, the call. Time?
3: Really good question, Mike. Uh, great to hear from you. Jim is up next in Knoxville. Hey, Jim. Uh-huh. Hi, Paul. How are you today? We're doing great. Thank you. Um, I
7: found it interesting, the uh, little piece you did on Tim Couch from a quarterback from Kentucky who just got out. I guess he's going to be inducted
3: into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, the College Football Hall of Fame.
7: But many years ago, uh, I used to work in a grocery store after school. And there was this lady came in that had these two beautiful daughters, one of which I totally fell in love with. And it just so happened that that's who Tim Couch married.
3: <laughs> yeah, so, he, uh, this was back uh, right after he got out of school? Correct. Yeah, she was a, yeah. uh, I don't, I'll try to say this without, because uh, I don't think they're married anymore. Um, but I believe she was the uh, like playmate of the year.
7: Um, that I don't know. Yeah. I do know her last name was Johnson, and she was from a little town called McRoberts, Kentucky, which is way down in eastern Kentucky on the Virginia border. And um, I used to well, What did you say her name was? Her last name was Johnson. I think oh, Okay, it was Because
3: I, I, I looked at her. His first wife was named uh, Heather Kozar. Kozar. And she was the uh, Playboy's Playmate of the Month uh, and Playmate of the Year. Does it really matter if you're Playmate of the Month? Isn't that enough? Do you have to be Playmate of the Year? His second, uh, the lady he's married to now, uh, I believe, was related to one of his coaches in Cleveland.
7: That's interesting because now they were, I don't know that he ever married her, but he was visiting And one of my best friends lived three doors down. He said, let's go down and meet Tim Couch and get a football autograph. So I said, sure, let's go. So I went down, met him, got a football, and, uh, of course, got to see the girls. And uh, it was just something I'll always remember. He was a great guy. Somebody he had never met. Yeah, well, this,
3: uh, this uh, this lady grew up in Ohio. I don't know if that helps your story at all, but that's all I know about her. Yeah, well, I, I vaguely I remember I meeting her though. Uh I met I, I interviewed Tim once up in Lexington and she was around and 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 I and I'll say this, I mean when when somebody is is like the playmate of the year or the miss whatever, people I mean that's what that's all you hear. You don't really hear that she grew up uh you know the the son of a of a of a UMW worker Palmer. or something. I mean it's just it's <laughs> And you try to look Pat, I mean, you try to look at the at, at the positive things that she's a nice young woman that that uh, used to go to the library and, and sell Girl Scout cookies but somehow uh, um, when you're on the prices right and you're the playboy of the, of the month of the playboy of the uh, playmate of the year it tends to uh, it tends to overshadow uh, your 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 community service. Well, that's very true. By the way, I'm glad she married Tim Couch instead of Hugh Hefner based on that book that just came out. (laughs) Hey, thanks for the call, Jim. We are uh, up against the break, and we'll be
1: back after this message. Thank you for listening to the best of the Paul Feinbaum Show podcast. Watch the Paul Feinbaum Show weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on the SEC Network. Plus, you can listen and watch on the ESPN app.